I watch David Jeremiah every week as I get ready for church. This morning they had an interesting camera angle where they were way in the back of the church looking forward to him. And you can see all the people from behind and him up and him, him preaching. And it struck me as I'm watching that, that God set up a sort of an interesting way to convey his message. Uh, he talks about preaching in the Bible, so this is a biblical thing to do. But I thought when you've got one person standing up in front of this many people or that many people or 12 people, you better have something to say. You don't want to waste folks' time. You better have something to say, and it better be better than a, than a motivational speech. And I believe this morning we've got something to say. And if nothing else, I'm going to teach you just a little bit about growing up and growing old and all those things. But there's something in here that, that as I'm reading it and listening and studying this week, I'm going, man, here is, here's the answer. It's simple. Here's the answer. I don't know if, if, if any, I don't know how many of you have noticed but I've had a couple of people come up and talk to me, specifically on Wednesdays, because Wednesdays are very, very long days, and have, have made comments about the fact that I've picked up a little limp when I walk. <clears throat> As I'm walking across in the parking lot over here, it's, you know, and a little thing, and you know, it's, it's just what you do. I have a condition. I went to the doctor. It is, uh, I, I have affectionately called it the BIBE, B-I-B-E, condition. It's something that I've got that all of you will have more than likely at some point in your life. If you don't have it now, you're going to have it one day. It's inevitable. It's just what happens. B-I-B-E stands for Bodies Impacted by Exuberance Syndrome. <clears throat> Bodies Impacted by Exuberance is caused by enjoying life. I played, my, you know, my, I wasn't good enough to play baseball on these teams, on really, really good teams. I played church league softball. We had a good time. I've got a championship ball sitting up on my bookshelf in the office because it's cool to remember that championship game. It was a lot of fun. It is not necessary to dive headfirst to a base except to show off. I mean, really, you can slide a thousand different ways, but I made sure because it looked cool that I slid head first into second, into third. I'd slide head first, feet first. I'd try to break up double plays and knock people down. I did all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. I've water skied, snow skied, backpacked, day hiked. I've ridden bicycles for miles and miles. I'd ride bicycles now if you could find a place to do it and not get run over by a car or a log truck. I've enjoyed life, and I continue to enjoy my life, and you do too, because you forget sometimes that you friended me on Facebook, and I see the things that you do. Some of you need to behave. <clears throat> I see the stuff that you do. Cindy and Tim Lyles, I don't think they're back yet. Do y'all know where they went? They went, they went, you know, all of us, I don't know if all of us do it, I did it and I suspect we all do, have that vacation of a lifetime vacation, you know? And they're on their vacation of a lifetime. Saved up, they've got relatives, I think a, a, a child or something in Hawaii, and they saved up their money, and they've gone to Hawaii. Do you know what Cindy Lyles did? <clears throat> Excuse me. It won't go away, Danny, so. Cindy Lyles 
took a powered hang gliding lesson. Do you know what that means? That means she strapped herself to a kite that had a lawnmower engine on the back of it, and she flew it up to 4,500 feet. That's almost a mile high that this woman that I thought had really good sense, she did this. And her husband decided that it's time to jump out of an airplane. So they went to one of the most beautiful places on earth to see if they could commit suicide. That's what we do. We have fun. And I see pictures of you guys. I see you pictures at the lake and on diving boards and you're skiing and you're being towed behind boats and snow skiing on some really, really cool places all over the country on some really steep slopes. And I know you fall down on those slopes because I fell down. The only broken bone I've gotten in my entire life was my thumb from snow skiing. So I know you folks, I know what's going to happen to you. And your careers, some of you are in law enforcement, firefighting, school teachers. You know, you guys, you climb, you crawl, you lift, you carry, you fall down, you get up time and time again. And every time you do that, your body is impacted by those things that you do. We beat our bodies up. We pay a price for it. You get the Bibe syndrome, B-I-B-E. And it hurts. And the older you get, the more it hurts. And so what you end up doing is, is it aggravates you so bad that you go to a doctor. This is where it gets weird. Because you go to one doctor and they tell you to do this. But then other people tell you to do this. And other people tell you to do this. And then these people tell you to do this. And you get so many voices, so many people talking to you that it gets very, very confusing because you don't know what the truth is. What do I do? And many of you know, just like I do, that not knowing what to do when you know you've got to do something drives you crazy. You just sit there. What am I supposed to do? This one, that one, this one, this one. Who do I listen to? What am I supposed to do? So that's where my vibe took me, and I went to my primary care doctor, which was probably the thing I should have done a month and a half, two months ago. I sat down with her in exam room, and in 10 minutes, this is what she did. She said, here's what's going on. Here's what we can do. Here's where you're going to end up. When you end up here, you do what that guy says. Until then, we will do this. I said, well, this is cool. What she basically said to me was this. I'm laying a path for you to follow that you can get your exuberance back. Now, if you choose to follow this path, <clears throat> if you trust me and you follow this path, chances are very, very good that things will get better for you. If you choose to not trust me, good luck. You just pick who it is you want to listen to. You do what they say. It might work. It might not work. Good luck. But if you do what I'm telling you to, chances are very good you're going to get your life back. And I trust that girl. She's 12 years old. I mean, she's, she's a great doctor. I've, I picked her for two reasons. is that that's where my family goes. And number two, she can be there when I die. I won't have to worry about her retiring. She's 12. 
She'll be around for a minute. In the verses that Chance read for us just a few minutes ago, the Apostle John says to us what our doctor said, what my doctor said to me. If you trust Jesus and follow him, you will have life. If you trust Jesus and follow him, you will have life. If you choose not to trust him, he's saying in this text, good luck. You pick whatever voice, pick whatever path, you choose whatever you want to choose to listen to, and let's see how that's going to work out. It's basically what he's saying. Now, I want to make sure you understand something. I am going to say this over and over and over and over again until everybody's had a chance to catch this and understand it. Over and over and over again, when Jesus is talking about life right now, where we are, he is not talking about heaven and hell. Those things are not part of the conversation here. What he's talking about right here is life. He's talking about sliding into second base head first. He's talking about jumping off of a rock into a river. He's talking about hanging onto a rope swing and swinging into a, a swimming hole. He's talking about hang gliding and parachuting and running cross country and getting married and having babies and having your parents get old and frail and having a, having a career and having promotions and having setbacks. He is talking about living your life every day that comes. John's talking about life. And in this, John says, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him here, remains on him. Do you know there's a lot of stuff you don't know? I won't say that. Do you know there's a lot of stuff that you don't know? Did you know that water does not necessarily freeze at 32 degrees? I was taught in school that water froze at 32. But we did a science experiment at home, and we didn't put antifreeze in it, and we didn't put salt in the water. We just did this little thing that they told us to do, and water can actually get as cold as negative 55 degrees below zero before it freezes. Did you know that? That's just one of the billions of things that we don't have a clue about. There are so many things that we don't know, and we've been made a victim of that because we have made decisions based on the best information available to us, and the decision didn't turn out right, did it? We've made all kinds of decisions in our lives where we thought it would go one way, but it ended up going somewhere else. And sometimes there are so many voices talking to us that we are overloaded with information to the point that we can't do anything. We don't know what to do. We have no clue what's right. The older you get, the more you find out that life is gray. It's not black and white like we think. It's, there's so many things and you wonder about. And then John says to us, the one who comes from above is above all. And strangely, he says that twice in three sentences. The one who comes from above is above all. He comes from above. He knows all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. He knows. He knows it all. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. He, come, he came from above. He came from God. Follow the argument. He came 
from God. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about how to live your life. He knows what he's talking about. He came from above everybody else and everywhere else. He's the one who knows. And then John says to us, the one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. All right, his testimony. Y'all work with me here. This is Bible study, and it's pretty simple stuff. We want to get way out. Mm -mm, It's right here. The testimony he's talking about, Jesus is the his here. We're only in the third chapter of John, so it ought to be real easy to figure out what Jesus' testimony is. He's not talking about the rest of the gospel, the rest of the Bible. He's talking about what has been said so far in these three chapters. Now, it ought to be able to figure, easy to figure out what did Jesus say in these three chapters. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am the Son of God. Believe on me and have life. Don't believe and you won't. And that's what he said. Go back and read it, first three chapters. That's what you're going to get up to. So now follow me. The one who has accepted Jesus' testimony. Now let's talk about what accept means. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You listening? This is what accept means. Accept means that the one who believes to the point of doing what Jesus says that's accepting anything else is just intellectual affirmation you can believe in him George Washington pick somebody accepting Jesus means that it means that your life is impacted you believe to the point of doing what Jesus says if you believe to the point of doing what Jesus says you are affirming that what God says is true now John's being very specific here because he's saying that God said something and he's not talking in a nebulous term here he's saying that God said something so you have to dig just a little bit for this but you don't have to dig too far you have to understand that John the Baptist had baptized Jesus at this point, and John, the Apostle John that's written this, has told us about this. Y'all got to stay with me. Follow the argument. Don't go to sleep. Hang on. This is good stuff. You got John the Baptist has baptized Jesus. You've got John over here who's written this book. He was not there at the baptism, I don't think. I'm thinking I got that right. But he heard about it because he wrote in his book that he said, Behold the Lamb of God, that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world. But if you, go to, if you go to Matthew chapter 3, you find out that at that moment that Jesus was baptized, God said something. God spoke so that people could hear. And that's what John is referring to here. And what Jesus said, what God said, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's what God said. This is my Son. God said that. God said, this is my Son. He said that here, and he said it on the mountaintop, the Mount of Transfiguration. If you've ever heard of that, you've heard it in Sunday school. Maybe you've never heard of that before, but that's where Jesus took three of his disciples, went up on top of the mountain. Something funky happened to him. It was a spiritual thing, and in that, God spoke one more time. And God said in that one, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. said the same thing again, except he added three words, listen to him. 
And I wish I could have heard God's inflection. Did he say, listen to him? Or did he say, listen to him? Or did he say, listen to him? I don't know how he said, but I wonder how he said that. When John wrote his gospel, he was aware of those statements. God said with his voice, audibly so a few people could hear it, that Jesus was his son. And when you and I believe in Jesus as God's son, we confirm that God is true. That what God said is true. Now, why does this matter? Why does this amount to a hill of beans that we've gone through all this stuff, we've heard what God said, and if we believe what Jesus said, then we're affirming that God is true. What difference does this make? Because if you believe that and affirm that, then you'll have life. That's what gives us life. That little thing right there. Y'all got to get this. And you say, I got it already. No, because as I'm studying this stuff and I go through this, the light comes on even brighter than it's ever been on before. I'm telling you right here, this is what gives us life. We talked about Bible and that so many voices were talking into me that I didn't know what was the path to follow and which path I shouldn't follow. How many people are speaking into your life right now? How many people are speaking into your lives right this moment? If you've got a problem, you've got people telling you what to do to fix it. If you've got trees down in your yard, you've got people, maybe without chainsaws, telling you how to get those trees out of your yard. There's always experts. They're always out there telling you how to do what you need to do. How many people are speaking into your children's lives every day? Six out of ten people in Jones County are not Christian and they're speaking into your children's lives. Are they saying what you would say? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Who is speaking into your children's lives? Who is speaking into your friends' lives, your parents' lives? All of them with wildly divergent ideas of how to live. And there are so many voices out there that you get confused about what you're supposed to do. And how you're supposed to live. And what's right and wrong. It's very easy to do. I did not watch the telethon this week. I don't watch those things. They drive me berserk. They end up getting political and it drives me crazy. But at the telethon this week, I saw some, some clips. You know, Har- Har- Harvey, oh, try to do this right. Harvey and Irma hit almost back to back. And I've heard people say that that's proof that man-made global warming is going to destroy the world. And Stevie Wonder, the scientist, no, Stevie Wonder, the singer, and he's a pretty good singer. I mean, I grew up with him, more or less. Like what he liked his music. But here's Stevie Wonder, who is blind, by the way, in case y'all don't know who Stevie Wonder is. He's blind, so what he says is sort of a little joke, is what he was trying to make here. And Stevie Wonder said that those don't, who, who don't believe in global warming must be blind or ignorant. And then you turn around, and a, a meteorologist tweets out a chart of all the hurricanes for the last 48 years that showed no increase in frequency or intensity. And you sit there and you go, who's right? Who's telling me the truth? I read this week that if, that if you hate pumpkin spice lattes, then you're a sexist. I ain't kidding you. It's a, a, a letter was written 
an op-ed letter was written in the Swarthmore College newspaper that said that if you, if you hate pumpkin spice lattes, you're sexist because it's easy to hate on girl stuff. Well, it is easy to hate on girl stuff if you're drinking pumpkin spice lattes. If I was thirsting to death and had a choice between a pumpkin spice latte and thirsting to death, you know which one I would choose? I eat, I eat pumpkin pie at the holidays because I'm supposed to, not because it's my favorite thing. And I don't care if it's a girl or a guy thing. But now, here's what makes it even worse, is that I also read this week that if you order a latte, then you're a racist. So you, you women are racist for ordering the pumpkin spice lattes, but I can't say anything about it because I'm sexist. Yeah. So many voices. And this is just three things, and I picked out three easy-to-knock to things, but there are so many voices out there trying to tell us what the truth is. Your lights went off. Your television went off. Did you get crazy? I did. I'm so accustomed to the background noise of the television because it's there all the time and it was quiet. And you know what I had to do? I had to read a book. I had to be a paper one. So many voices coming out of that thing that we have on all the time that's telling us their version of truth. Do you understand that's what they're doing? All these voices are telling you their version of truth. And John is saying to us that the Father loves the Son and has given all things, all things into his hands. All things. He is the truth. He knows the truth. He teaches the truth. If we trust him, he gives us the truth. The scripture says he gives us spirit without measure, as much as we need, all the time, without limits, so we know how to live. If we choose to not accept him, then all those things, listen, all of those things these people are telling you is right. You've got to understand this. That if Jesus is not from God, if God is not transcendent above all, if God is not all-knowing and all-powerful, if you reject that, then what everybody else is saying is right. Because there is no arbiter of truth except for the person that has the power. Global warming, whoever says it, yeah, it's true. Sexist pumpkin spice, racist lattes, murder, adultery, theft, swindling, you name it, those things become right and wrong based on the whim of the person who is in power. And if the person that's in power is holding a gun on you, then his determination of right and wrong is going to impact your life. If we do not hold tightly to the fact that God is and that Jesus came from God, you have no basis for truth. Pick one. Whichever one you want to pick, hope it works out for you. And that's the way this thing works. If we choose not to accept him, who we choose to follow is supremely important 
to how we live our lives. Let's go back to my Bible. I went to the doctor. She told me the truth. She laid out the path. But now here's, here's the deal. I've got to do what she says. I look up and I see Billy Mick sitting back there who's a doctor. And I wonder how many times he's went home at night going, well, I tried to tell him. I told him and I told him and I told him and I told him and I told him. They had to plan. They had to pass. They knew what to do. And they said, not today. I'll get to it tomorrow until, boom, they got a problem. I went to the doctor, she told me the truth, she laid out the path, but now I've got to walk in it. And it's my choice. But no, listen, and this is what I want you to understand. You can believe her instructions and not do them. Do you understand? You see how that works over into our faith? You can believe in Jesus, but not do what he says. So you don't really believe, you just know. And see, my doctor said, here's the path. If you walk in this path, <clears throat> if you walk in this path, then more than likely your bib is going to start to go away. But if you don't walk in this path, you're going to have your bib, and it's going to get worse. You're going to live under the wrath of your past. John is saying right here, we're going to live under the wrath of God. But if I abide, if I choose to not only believe that what she said is true, but act on what she said, my vibe is relieved. Believing in Jesus means that we give up every other guiding principle that we might follow, and we follow only one, and that's him. And that's the only principle that we follow is his truth. That truth and that truth alone is what decides what is right and wrong and good and evil and holy and noble and just and alive. I heard a poem this week. You know, preachers' sermons are supposed to be three points in a poem, and y'all know I haven't delivered a good sermon yet because I can't do three points and I can't do a poem, but I found a poem, so we're going to do one today. I actually like this poem. This poem, I used to write poetry a long time ago. It's hard to believe, right? I found this poem. It's by Steve Turner. It's entitled Creed. It's satirical, but it explains where we are perfectly. This is our life. This is where we are. We believe in Marx, Freud, and Darwin. We believe everything is okay as long as you don't hurt anyone to the best of your definition of hurt and to the best of your knowledge. We believe in sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe in the therapy of sin, that adultery is fun, that sodomy is okay, that taboos are taboo. We believe that everything's getting better despite evidence to the contrary. The evidence must be investigated, and you can prove anything with evidence. We believe, and this makes me sad, but it's true. <clears throat> we believe there's something in horoscopes, UFOs, and bent spoons. Jesus was a good man, just like Buddha, Muhammad, and ourselves. He was a good moral teacher, though we think that his good morals are bad. We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the one I read about. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters such as creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. We believe that after death comes nothing because when you ask the dead what happened to them, they say nothing. 
I didn't write it, I'm reading it. And if death is not the end, if the dead have lied, then it's compulsory heaven for all people except perhaps Hitler, Stalin, and Genghis Khan. We believe in Masters and Johnson, what's selected is average, what's average is normal, and what's normal is good. We believe in total disarmament. We believe there's a direct link between warfare and bloodshed. Americans should beat their guns into tractors and the Russians would be sure to follow. We believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. This is the fault of society. Society is the fault of conditions. Conditions are the fault of society. We believe that each man must find the truth that is right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly, the universe will readjust, and history will alter itself. We believe that there's no absolute truth except the truth that there is no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds and the flowering of individual thought. And before I read the very end of this, I want to, I want to remind you of something that we've said that is one of the most profound things that I've said from this pulpit. And one of these days, I hope we all see it and go, you know, that really was kind of profound. The way you live your life and the way you think about things are based on your idea of what came in the beginning. Because see, in the beginning, if God created the heavens and the earth, that means there's a transcendent being who is above all, who set everything in motion, who did everything by intelligent design. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. He knows all things. He is everywhere. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. We've got somebody we can depend on that will tell us what's right and wrong. Your option is to believe that matter was preexistent, and if matter was preexistent, then you're an accident, and my right and your right don't have to be the same thing. And the way it's going to work out is whichever one of us is the most powerful is the one of us that's going to win, and the other one's going to lose. And that's just the way it's going to be, that we vote on what is right and what's wrong. And those really are the two choices. It is that simple. The end of the poem says this, if chance be the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills 10, troops on rampage, whites go looting, bomb blast schools, it is but the sound of man worshiping his maker. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? This really is a powerful thought here. What determines truth in your life? You've got to think about it. A whole lot rides on that. Accept Jesus' testimony and learn to live. And you have to learn. Reject Jesus' testimony and listen for the sound of disaster as you worship your maker. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that it is your Holy Spirit that teaches us and not me. So inadequate to this, Lord. I, there's so many voices speaking into us that it overwhelms us and we get confused. And holding on to you sometimes is, 
is hard. And yet you're saying, make up your mind. Father, teach us to accept the testimony of Jesus. I pray that those that are here that are, that are younger, teenagers, children, that they begin to understand and crave to know you so that they can live a life that's alive and exuberant. <clears throat> Lord, we know we fall short and we're sorry. We want to be good, but there's so many voices. <clears throat> Help us to hear you. Help us to want you. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us. And Father, on that last day, when there is no one there but me. I pray when I look up, there'll be no one there but you. Guide us gently yet boldly, Father, to the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. What is your choice? This morning, we have a moment of invitation. You have about three minutes, guys. Three minutes to think about who you're gonna follow and to set the tone for your week for your life. Who do you follow? Who gives you truth? What is the truth? I ask you to accept Jesus as your Savior if you never have and come down and tell me that. If you want to join the church, you can do that, but I beg you to pray. Take a few minutes and pray where you're sitting, for yourself, for your children, for lost people that you know for our country, for our world, for the six out of ten people in Jones County that don't know the truth. Take a minute. Take a minute. Let's stand together.